Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you. You are lovely people, Life Changes. Table View was amazing and I come here and you are just awesome, even better. Don't tell them I said that. So my name is Tess. Am I feeding back? Do I sound a bit crazy here? I'm just going to keep going. Okay, so my name is Tess, and if you haven't met our little family before, I think Dylan was here at Table View a while back, but we have the incredible privilege of pastoring Link Church with the lead pastors there, and it has been an incredible wild journey leading Link Church, beautiful story, and so I find myself here today because of the goodness of God, but also because of the power of the local church. Because when the local church is thriving and healthy, beautiful relationships form, and we get to become family. We get to become family. We live on the other side of the country, and yet I'm actually your family. How cool is that, hey? And so thank you for having me. I have, just so that we can get to know each other, so you're not like, who's this random girl going to now impart the word of God to you? We um, have four children. I have three girls, Mackenzie, Taya, and Honor, and then baby Joel, who is our boy. And family is just God's greatest gift to me. I love it. love being a mom, love being a wife. And it is really um, part of what God has done in my heart is help me understand that family is actually his genius idea for humanity, that when we belong to something, we are at our healthiest. And he does that through families. He does that through the local church. And so what you're a part of here at Milneton is an incredible story. But more than that, it's a family. The church is not some organization, not a corporation. We're not a business. We are a family. And so I just want to encourage you, never take for granted what you're a part of. Because it's beautiful. And in this family, in Milneton, you have a pioneering spirit. And that is incredible. And I believe God is going to grow this place, that, that he's going to take you to places that you never dreamed you would go, that he is going to give you, give you a home, a physical home, that you're going to find yourself in situations and stories that you never dreamed possible because that is the goodness of our God. And he loves the local church. He loves the church more than anything else. Jesus loves the bride. And he's coming back not for some parachurch organization, not for some good idea. He's coming back for the bride, the church. And so we, I love that you, Milnerton, are loving on the church. You're loving on the bride, the very thing that Jesus prizes most. Amen? Okay, so I just want you to turn with me to Romans 1, verse 11. I long to see you, and I'm reading from the NIV version, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, when I found out I was coming to Milnerton, because they gave me a little heads up, which was awesome, I got very excited because I love speaking into pioneering, spirited family churches. I love it. And I love that you're, um, you're in a space that's not your own, and yet you're making it home. You're using what you have in your hands to reach the city, and that is beautiful. And so I got super excited. So they sent Dill to Tableview, and that's amazing. But I get to be here. And so I have been looking forward to seeing you for a little while now, okay? I get excited about being in churches, being in families. I love your pastors, Mark and Candice, Gabe and Fee. You guys are beautiful people. I love them. And so I've been really excited about coming to coming to Milton, coming to Table View. 
because there there is an opportunity that I have and and you and I have together to be mutually encouraged as the word says to be mutually encouraged so as I impart to you guess what I am encouraged and as you receive from me hopefully you are encouraged that is the goodness of God and that is the power of his word and it's 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 an it's an encouragement to become strengthened. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we would leave here not only um, excited about a moment together and we've drunk good coffee and we've worshipped and we've chatted to friends, but that you would leave here strengthened in your soul, knowing who you are, knowing what you're called to, even in a moment that can happen. And you can go out and face all that God has for you in your week, in your month, in your year. Amen. And that is the supernatural power of God's word. That is not what I am bringing to the table. That is the power of God's word. It encourages and strengthens strengthens us to our core. Amen. And so God, I pray that you would give every single person in this room this morning a personal revelation of your heart. I thank you that the word of God never returns void, that it will accomplish that which you have set forth. And so I pray, God, that we would leave here this morning mutually encouraged, equipped for all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a word for the Life Changes Milton community, and that is there is a Father God, a Father God, not just any God, a Father God in heaven who loves you, who loves you. And I know you've probably heard that before, and you're like, oh my goodness, did she come here from Belito to tell us that? Seriously, I could have stayed in bed on this cold and chilly morning. But let me say that again. There is a Father God a father God in heaven who loves you. I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? Jesus had a great purpose here on earth, okay? His everyday life, his everyday moment by moment by moment life had purpose here on earth. His death and, and the resurrection were the climax, the crescendo of the story, the thing that we all talk about. But his everyday life, the miracles, his interactions, the responses, the connections that he makes with people along the way had purpose and we can learn from them. And all of this, all of his life, the great purpose was to ultimately show us the Father. Okay, the message of his life is this. The message of the life of Jesus Christ is this. You and I have a perfect father, a perfect father in heaven who loves us, who made a way for us to be reconnected to himself. That was the, that is the purpose of Jesus Christ's life here on earth. Everything he did, everything he was, everything he said was to reveal to us the father's heart. If we read in John 14, we're going to read from verse 9. I want to give you some context. Jesus has been with his disciples, and they keep asking him the same questions. And you can kind of get the the idea that Jesus is like, you keep asking me the same questions. Um, Do you not get it by now? Come on. We're living together. You see me speaking to people, interacting with people. You're watching me closely. Do you not get it? And Philip asks, where is the Father? And we're going to read Jesus' response. I'm reading from the message version because I think it gives us a little bit of emotion, which is awesome. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand. 
To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak aren't just mere words. I don't make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. If you can't believe that, then believe what you see, these works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing. Listen to this. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things because I am on my way to the Father and I'm giving you the same work to do that I have been doing. Everything we see in Jesus is to show us the Father heart of God. And then we read in John 20, okay, just before he leaves, this is what Jesus said. John 20, verse 21, he says, he says to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he said this, he breathed on them and and said, receive my Holy Spirit. Jesus came to model something to humanity that they had never understood and seen before of God. Because these people, the children of God, knew him as judge, they knew him as ruler, they knew him as the creator, but they had never known God as father, as a father. And Jesus came to model a new way. He modeled mercy and kindness. He chose empathy. He wept with people. He touched the discarded, the lonely, the broken. He hung out with the outcasts of society. He fought for the oppressed and the marginalized. He stood up to religious leaders. He ate with tax collectors. In fact, Jesus ate with everyone. He showed compassion. He healed sickness. He came to reveal another way. He came to show us that that is who the Father is. And so if his job is now our job, as it says in John 20, how are you and I, as just ordinary people, going to show the world the Father heart of God? How do we do that? How do we, in our everyday lives, our everyday moment-by-moment living and breathing and sleeping lives, show people the Father heart of our God? Because that is our purpose. How do we bring a true representation of God to the world? Because let me tell you, the world thinks that God is far off and distant. They do not see him as a father. They think that he is is often the, the reason behind their pain. How do we show the world who he really is? Because I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've seen it, but there is a void in humanity they're searching for something. We're all searching for something. And it's, it's a search for a father. We're living in, in a world full of fatherless generations. And yes, that might, might be physical, a physical father. People are missing a physical father. But you know what? Humanity is crying out for a presence of a father, the affirmation, affection, and attention of their father in heaven. It's bigger than just the need for a physical father. It's the need for our father in heaven to look at us and to speak over us that we are his children and he loves us. And the mandate of the church... That's you and me. Hello. The mandate of the church has always been, it's always been this, and it will always continue to be the mission of Jesus Christ here on earth, and that is to reveal to the world the Father heart of God. 
that is who we are, church. You and I share a mission. Even though we live on opposite sides of the country, you and I share a mission. And that is to reveal the Father heart of God to a crying world who are crying out for his affection and attention and affirmation. So no matter who you are, no matter what church you're a part of, we have a mandate and a mission to go out there and show people the Father heart of God. It's a global mission, and it's been set up by Jesus Christ. He set it up. It's not my idea. It's not something I've come up with as I've been reading the Bible. Oh, yes, church, this is awesome. Let's all go out and show people the Father. No, this was set up by Jesus was set up by Jesus and he says to us, church, I've started this mission. I've started it now. Go and do greater things. Go and do more than I did here. Show people the Father. We have the incredible privilege as the people of God, the people of the church here in this nation to herald the message that in Christ we are no longer foreigners. We are not orphans. We are children, sons and daughters of the Most High God, a Father in heaven who loves us and has called us to a glorious inheritance in Him. Amen? So what do we do? How do we, how do we go on this crazy, awesome global mission to show people the Father heart of God? You know, how do ordinary people like you and me go out there and show people who God is? You know, we can make it so complicated, but it's not. Okay, and so what I want to do this morning is I believe there are many ideas. There's many ways that we can show people the Father heart of God because it is, he's a multifaceted, beautiful, creative God. Okay, but I'm going to give you three simple ways that I believe you and I can step out of this room here today and reveal the Father's heart to humanity. Okay, no one is disqualified from this mission and you're going to see that it's highly practical. You're probably going to think that I'm not that clever. But anyway, you're going to be able to step out of this room and show people the Father heart of God. Okay, so if you're taking notes, my first point is smile. Smile. It is supernatural. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. Seriously, is that all? But I've made it simple. I, have, I believe that if it is simple, because actually Jesus was simple. If it's simple, no one is disqualified. All of us can smile. Show me your teeth. All of us can do it. We can do it. Good days, bad days, everything in between. We can choose to smile. And a, a smiling people... An encounter with a smiling person changes everything. Honestly, I believe this to be true. Let people see a smile on your face because when they see a smile on your face, they will know that the Father smiles over humanity. doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, where we've come from. Do you know that the Father is smiling over us? He's smiling over us. And so let's smile over humanity. Now, you know what? I know, you know, you are the friendliest people. So I'm probably preaching to the converted here, okay? But but I think the church needs to hear this message. We could all smile more, okay? We're see, we see far too many serious Christians out there who don't know how to just lighten up and have fun, okay? And I think the world needs to see that actually, you know, we're happy about our salvation. We're happy about the fact that God has given us eternal life, and they need to see it on our faces, okay? Let our souls reflect on our faces, I believe a smile has the supernatural ability to change things. It can bridge a racial divide. Do you know that? It can reach towards brokenness. It can soften a hardened heart. 
It can extend the affection of heaven to people who have never felt that before because they don't believe they deserve it. A smile can do that. Paul Johnson says this. He says, your countenance, that's what people see on your face, reflects the world that you're most aware of. What are we most aware of as the people of God? What are we most aware of? People will not know how to handle the pure joy they see radiating off your face because they're used to grumpiness. I don't know if you've been out there recently. People are grumpy because there's traffic and there's financial pressure and there's children pressure and there's marital pressure. There's just pressure. And so I think, you know what, if the church just stepped out of our buildings and we smiled at people, they'd be like, what's going on? You know, what, what's happening here? But, but you know what, what, they will, what they will begin to understand, and they, they won't really understand it to begin with, but what they will come to know is that there's a Father God in heaven who smiles over them, and they don't have to be anything special. They don't have to even arrive and become something extraordinary. They can just be themselves, and God still smiles. And so that is what we want to do. We want to be a smiling people who shows people the Father heart of God. Number two, sacrifice. I believe if we're going to show people the Father heart of God, they're going to need to see a people who know how to serve. Now, I know, again, I'm preaching to the converted. You guys know how to serve. This church has a culture of serving that is beautiful and passionate, and it's none other like I've seen around the nation. And so you guys can be encouraged about what you're cultivating in this house. It is beautiful. It is showing people the Father heart of God. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, and again, I think I'm reading from the message. I could be confused. No, I'm not NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. Say living sacrifice. Okay, that's not a dead thing. It's alive. It's a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper and true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, the message, so I've read in the NIV version, but if you read it in the message, it uses language like, um, place your lives before God, embrace his ways above your own, adopt a new culture, a new way of living, a higher way of living. And I believe if we're going to show people the Father heart of God in this nation, in this city, in, in, in where we do everyday life, we must endeavor to figure out what it means to become living sacrifices, to show people a higher way of living. A living sacrifice says this, I will give up my life for your benefit. I'm going to put myself on the line for you. I am here to ensure that strength and benefit from my life flows into yours. That is what a living sacrifice is. And I believe as the church, we've been called to this higher way of living, this Roman 12's kind of life that becomes living sacrifices in our everyday life. And I believe the Spirit is asking us as, as the church, will we, re- will we lay down our lives? I know. You didn't really want to hear that on a Sunday, did you? But will we lay down our lives? Will you consider, church, what it looks like to lay down your life, your preference, your goals, your dreams, your agenda? Will you lay down these things for the strength and benefit of someone else? Will you leverage what you have in your hands to see someone else flourish? 
And when I'm talking about someone else, yes, within the church, but I'm talking about the world. Will we lay down what we have, our agenda, our goals, our dreams, to see other people encounter the Father heart of God, to leverage what we have, what He's given us, because it's all been given to us by Him, to see other people come alive in Jesus. Amen? You know, I used to... um, I used to struggle with this whole church thing. Right before we planted Link, uh, I used to struggle with the idea of what my role would be, okay? And so for a few years, I was figuring this out. You know, what is my role and where am I going to fit in? And I know it's not very holy of me, but I was very young. And thank you, Jesus, for your grace. But, um, you know, I was really figuring out what my role would look like in this biggest story of Link Church. And, you know, Dylan had this amazing dream. and, And I got to the point where I was like, God, I just I don't know where I fit in. And I just feel like, you know, I'm giving everything up for this vision that Dill has. And I don't know, like, what's in it for me, basically? And, um, you know, larger than that, that selfishness was this cry in my heart because I'd seen, I'd seen where Dill wanted to go. I could see the vision that he had to build an incredible church, and I could see the exciting adventure that he wanted to go on. But I was scared to let go of what I, what I wanted and what I needed and what I saw for my life. And I found myself one day in our lounge on my carpet, which is kind of where I like to just be with Jesus when there are none of the children around. And, um, and I got honest with God to say, you know, where is this all going? Because I want in on the story. I want in on the adventure. But I'm actually scared to, I'm scared to let go of some of the things that are important to me, you know. And so help me, Jesus. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to just be a living sacrifice. Like, I need you to help me to be this person. And, you know, God came alongside me that day. And I made a promise to him to put aside everything, everything that I held dear to pursue Dylan's dream to build a church that would shape culture and we dream of transforming a nation. And that I would throw all of my strength and benefit to what he saw, that I would lay myself down. I would leverage every single thing that I had in my hands to see this vision come to be. You know, and I'm not telling you this story so that you go, oh, wow, Tess, look how sacrificial you were. You're amazing. You know, I really don't tell you that story because I want you to think I'm amazing. I'm really not. I tell you this story because you know what? God came through for me in ways I cannot even begin to describe. He has poured his grace into my life and taken me to places and given me people and given me treasures like I never dreamed I would have. And that came from a place of laying me down, just putting me aside and saying, you know what? If, it's, if, I, if I have nothing at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's worth laying it all down to pursue what you have, Jesus. Sacrifice says it's not about me. It's not about I. It's not about what I can get out of it or what it's, what's in it for me. Sacrifice says we're better together. Your success is my success. If you go down, I go down. And so I'm not willing to let that happen. That sacrifice, that's the journey that Dylan and I have been on. When he's away preaching and going for it and bringing a message and the gospel of Jesus to people in places that are new and exciting, I am not sitting at home going, woe is me as I look after four children. I am cheering him on because his success is my success. 
Your success as Life Changes Church Militant, do you know, is my success. We are the church. And so we need to build the spirit within the church that says your success is my success and my success is your success. And if you go down, I go down. We're in something together. That is sacrifice. And when you're in something together, you're willing to leverage everything you have to make sure that other people come alive. So when table view are going for it and there are amazing things happening, do you know that that is your portion? You get to celebrate that. And when Milliton is exploding and you're seeing salvation after salvation and this place is growing and you have a building and you don't know what to do with just all the people, that's table view success. They're cheering you on. And so this spirit, this sacrifice, this sacrificial heart that we have is what we need to take out of these walls and to serve humanity. I'm talking just be good people so that the world can see the Father heart of God, to lay down our agenda, to see the world come alive. The world is crying out for living sacrifices because they cannot be found out there. And they don't know that's what their hearts are desperate for. They don't know. So it's trying to fill lives with stuff and things and people. But actually what they're crying out for is a living sacrifice. Real life, ordinary, everyday people like you and me who will show them. Show them the Father. Not merely just tell them about Him. I don't know if you know this, but the world is not looking for our deep knowledge and opinions. They're not so excited about our latest theology and, you know, what we've just read. They're looking for a living sacrifice. What they see us do day in and day out, that what we say lives up to what, we, what they see. Amen? That is what will have a far and magnificent reach in our communities. When they see living sacrifice, live, ordinary lives that are living above and beyond what they see as natural and normal. You are a servant-hearted people. This is not something that's new for you. And this is a precious thing. Because when, when, you, when you serve people, what people see is Jesus. Because he modeled that thing like none other. When, when people see Jesus through the ordinary activity of people in the church, they see the Father. They see it. And they need to see it. So I want to encourage you, church, carry on. I want to urge you on. Keep going. Serve people like you do. Because it is a beautiful thing and you are showing people the Father, heart of God. And keep prioritizing serving, not only in this house, in this church, as you welcome people in. Find ways in your whole life to prioritize serving, to create a culture of serving in your home, in your schools, in your businesses. Because I promise you, as we serve people sacrificially, they're going to see the Father heart of God. And that is the great mission that you are and I are on. Amen. And the last point I have for you this morning is settle it. Smile. It's easy. We can all do that. Serve a little bit harder, but we can still do that and settle it. And this is the most difficult thing, but I want to encourage you to take hold of this this morning. Settle it. It's who he is. Ephesians 1, verse 1 to 10, I want to read to you from the message version. How blessed is God? And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us into high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. How beautiful. Had settled. Say the word settled. Had settled on us as the focus of his love. 
to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took planning in this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people. We are the focus of his love. Settle it. We are his adopted children. Settle it. We have been chosen by God. Settle it. There is a God in heaven, a Father God in heaven who loves you. A God who loves us so extravagantly and so recklessly that he sent the most precious thing that belonged to him. He sent all that he was to earth to reconcile us to himself. Not to prove a point, not to show how powerful he is, but to reconcile humanity to himself. He held nothing back from us. He leveraged everything he was, everything he had to come after you and I. Settle it. Let's not question the love of God and how we fit in and if he loves us, if he doesn't. Settle it. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. You cannot make him love you more. No amount of activity, hard work, good behavior can make the Father God in heaven love you more. And you know nothing that you, there's nothing that you do. Nothing that can make him love you less. His love is fixed and focused on us. It doesn't waver according to where we are at and where we find ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for that. He loves us, not because of us, but because of who he is. He loves us regardless of what day we're having or what we're believing in a moment. He loves us. And I have a, you know, I have a precious family that we've come to know over, the, over, over time. And they were telling us a story of how they have three daughters. And the one daughter was experiencing some struggles. And she'd made some questionable decisions that had got her into some serious trouble. And this daughter had run from home and now found her, herself in a place where she, she was in deep trouble. And got all the money that she could manage to find together and flew home and found herself sitting at her parents' table weeping because of the situation she found herself in. And, and the mother tells the story of this moment as this daughter sits in front of her mother and father and, and the father taking her face in his hands, looking her in the eyes and said, don't worry, my darling, this one's on me. That's a natural father who looked at his daughter in a moment and said, don't worry, my darling, this one's on me. And I think how that is who God is. A Father God who takes us in his hands in a moment, all of the sin, all of the stain, all of the messiness that we have. And he looks us in the eye and he says, don't worry, this one's on me. This one's on me. That's the goodness of our God. That is the good Father that he is. We serve a Father God who beckons us towards himself, who's calling us towards himself in all things. He just says, come, come, don't worry. This one's on me. This one's on me. He doesn't stare at the stain of our sin because he's looking at the blood of Jesus. This love of God 
It's who the Father is. It's his nature. He doesn't know how to be any different. It's just who he is. And you know what? As the church, I think we could get a whole lot better at just receiving his love. We are making it so difficult for ourselves and other people to just receive the love of God. There are no hoops to jump through. There are no things that you have to climb to try and find his love. It's there, freely available to us. Amen? So let's learn how to take hold of him, to receive from him, so that we can then in turn go and show the world this amazing love of a father God. The only reason, the only way we are going to be able to go out there and show the world the supernatural love, it is not natural to love people like this. The only way we're going to do it is if we can believe that he first loved us. We don't do this out of our ability. It is out of a place of knowing that he loves us. We settle it. Let's truly be a church that welcomes everyone home. When we say everyone's invited, we mean Everyone is invited, not just the people we think should be invited to church. Amen. Let's truly believe that God loves all of us. All of us. Let's settle it. You know, we sing that song, probably not anymore, but as a child, we used to sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we sing it and we know it and it's awesome. And then, you know, we grow up and we start to think, oh, I don't know if God loves me because, you know, this happened or, or wow, this person spoke to me like that. Does God love me? He loves me today. Oh, I'm having a bad day today. No, doesn't love me today. And so we play this, he loves me, he loves me, not game with God, you know? And life and and circumstances and people make us question if this is true. And then, you know what? We think we have a role to play in deciding who deserves the love of God. I wish I could go back to a younger version of me and say, Tess, open your eyes. Because if you just look, You will see Jesus in so many places you didn't think he should be. You'll see Jesus in people you didn't think he should reach. Open your eyes and settle it. Jesus loves me, this I know. And there are no exceptions. There are no exceptions to the love of God. And I believe it's only possible to love this world church. It's only going to be possible if we believe and receive this love of God. It's for all of us. That we would love people who are different to us, no matter their race, ethnicity, or creed, no matter their language, no matter where they've come from. That we would love people like they're our own flesh and blood. Love people with an embrace and a warmth and an affection and a comfort. Maybe we should hug more. Maybe we should just be that church that goes out there and hugs people and they'll think we're weird. But you know what? That just might be the moment they, they can feel the affection and warmth of heaven. Maybe we need to love people by mourning with those who mourn, by choosing empathy, by rejoicing with those who rejoice, by upholding a culture of honor, by by showing people that they are valuable and have a purpose here on earth, despite what we may think about their choices. Let's love by moving towards people and not moving away. Let's love by choosing each other. Love by making a stand against racism and biased inequality. Let's not stay silent. When we stay silent, that's agreement. 
Love by feeding hungry people. Let's love by holding widows. Let's love by adopting orphans. Maybe someone here in this place needs to hear today, you, you should adopt someone. Go for it. I want to encourage you. Let's be those people that do radical, crazy things to show people the Father heart of God, a supernatural love that we don't fully even understand ourselves. But when we receive it, when we believe it, we can go out there and love on humanity like nothing else. We love because we have a Father in heaven who first loved us. Settle it. Settle it. He loves you. He loves you. Let the deep, wide, overwhelming love of God urge you on to do something incredible on this planet. There is a mission. There is a mission for us. And I'd love to love you to stand in this moment because I want to pray for you and commission you to something amazing. There is a global mission. What you are a part of at Milneton Church, Milneton, Life Changes Milneton, what you're a part of here, you're a part of a global mission, a big, crazy, bold mandate to show people the love of God. It is the mission of Jesus Christ. It is the thing that he has given the church to do, to connect people to Jesus so that they would see the Father. And we all have a part to play. Not one of us in this room is disqualified from being a part of this mission. It is not just for the pastors of a church. It is not just for the leaders. It is not just for life group leaders. It is not just for the worship team. It is for every single person who calls themselves a child of God to then go out there and reveal the Father heart to a hurting world. Let's all play our part. I will if you will, basically. Let's do it. Let's be that church that says, come on, we can do something phenomenal together in our cities. We can turn it upside down. We can go out there and show people the radical loving heart of our Father God. Amen.